Brittany Ross, and I play the fiddle. I'm Catherine Flincham, and I play the pipe. And together, we are Fiddle and Pipe. Two classical musicians who are reading and discussing topics beyond the staff. So grab a book, take a seat, and tune in. Welcome to another episode of Fiddle and Pipe, your favorite podcast. I'm Brittany Ross. Catherine Fren- Flincham. I mean, to be fair, nobody in my life, well, in most cases, nobody can pronounce my last name. They're like, Frenchman? And I'm like, it's Flinch. And then um, I don't know how we get this mixed up. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's all good. That's unfortunate. It happens. Yeah, I mean... Honestly, I feel like the same thing happened to me with my maiden name, because my maiden name is Thayer, and people in the South were like, is it Thayer? Is it Thayer? Is it? And I'm like, y'all know how to read, right? I thought you were saying, is it there? <laughs> like, T-H-E-R-E. Like, is it there? With a super Southern twang. I've gotten that as well, but uh, with us, with a name that you can't not mispronounce is Dr. Chelsea Tanner, <laughs> mindset coach, co-host of Align Your Mind podcast, and flutist. Whoop, whoop. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. People call me Chelsea sometimes. Chelsea. <laughs> they haven't seen the spelling of it before. <laughs> but those are few and far between, I have to say. Why are people yeah. making things harder than they need to be? I did know somebody <laughs> named Chelsea, though. I believe. I remember, like, hearing that name in the past and somebody you know pronounced it that way and i was like interesting <laughs> they really put out the ea at the end hmm who knows <laughs> yeah i'm really glad we're not talking about pronunciation today because i would not do well no neither would i <laughs> today we are talking about the generous chapter of seth is it godin or Godin. It's Godin. It's Godin. Okay, thank yeah. God we finally have someone who knows how to pronounce <laughs> it. Uh, Seth Godin's The Practice. Um, Catherine, didn't you recommend this book to us because you saw it on Chelsea's feed? I did. <laughs> yeah, I read it, like, in 2020. So, okay, I was wondering, yeah, it was released in 2020 because was it released during the pandemic? I don't know. I I saw something mentioned about a pandemic in this section. I was like, wait, was this during COVID? Did he release this like in the midst of all of this happening? (laughs) He's like, oh, okay. Like, here we go. (laughs) I'm pretty sure, but I think I think there's a mention of it. And because I guess I can find it. Yeah, 2020. I think there's a mention of it probably in like an edit. I have a feeling he was probably working on it before if it released in 2020, but. Um, it says it was originally published November 3rd of 2020. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the pandemic was raging. Full swing. <laughs> raging on. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. Wow, it just feels like yesterday, you know? Mm. can remember it so clearly time has no meaning <laughs> everything's the same <laughs> chelsea you what are your thoughts on this book um i listened to the first most of you know the first episode you guys did on this book and i think it's interesting because this book i think is targeted to like creative entrepreneurs if i have to say mm-hmm. like much outside of that, it would be a hard sell. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because I I think that this is definitely trying to take a creative pursuit and the, the concept of a business and put them together. Right. Mm-hmm. And how to do that. And I think that that can apply to musicians who want to make a career in music. I think it can apply to, well... For me, at that time, that was coaching. It applied to me, like, exactly, kind of, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, like, create a body of work, do all of these things. And Seth Godin, I think, first and foremost, is a businessman. So I think having that perspective is good before diving in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're politely trying to say is that we missed the point of the book. <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> I don't think it was stated, though. 
right? Like, it's not clearly stated. No, Mm-mm. it's not. In the book that it's, like, who this is for. I think that he relied very heavily on his audience knowing him mm-hmm. before putting this book out. What does he do? I actually don't know that much about him. I read some reviews on Goodreads, and I know that he's pretty famous in air quotes for blogging. Mm-hmm. Is that what he is? Is he a blogger? Is that a career path? Yeah. Oh, totally. Does he do something <laughs> with marketing and entrepreneurship of some sort? Because I just, I like looked he, him up before this and I was listening to a podcast he was on or something that was related to that. Yeah. So I think he's most known for his businesses and his sort of views on marketing and things like that. Mm-hmm. And he does have a daily blog. I think that's what he's probably most famous for is, like, having a daily blog. Yeah, you mentioned he had, like, 7,500 posts or something in this section. I was like, dang, that's a lot of blogging. (laughs) I do not have that. (laughs) Yeah, so I I think that I had that (laughs) background going in. So this book makes much more sense in that context, right? One of his most famous books is, like, This is Marketing. So he's, like, very much a business person, writing for other entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and I think trying to to say like a creative pursuit can become a business hmm. in some way so yeah okay that's interesting and I guess knowing that he has a blogger background also makes the format of the book make more sense because it seems very jarring and disorienting to read it as you would normally read a book yeah I agree. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not like, I think there is obviously a method to the way it's put together. He's broken it down into sections, but I, I agree. There's like some stories that kind of come out of nowhere. I'm like, how does this tie back? And it's, it really takes a minute to be like, does this actually, does this belong in the generous section or are we, are we talking something different? Right. But I think it's, yeah, it's interesting to see, like, how that influence. Like, it didn't jar me because I know he's probably just taking these things from blog posts. I would assume. Maybe not, mm-hmm. but. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he might be. So I've been having a hard time reading this. I, Chelsea, you mentioned that you listened to our last episode. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's too stream of consciousness for me to really sit there and absorb what's going on. So what I've found is helping me is reading a whole section and then trying to hit what the main points are and then trying to see what the like, the connecting line is because I think like his core message is really good in my opinion I'm just not sure of like the way that he's going about it at least for me do you like this book a lot <laughs> I like parts of it right like I don't know I could skip some of the stories and highlight the last couple sentences to, yeah. be, to be honest like mm-hmm. I I think and I've definitely when rereading it was like I feel like there is, like, excess in there that could be trimmed. But I do like the overall message, and I think hearing it in a different way from... And I'm I'm a self-help... We won't say addict, but, like, a consumer of self-helpery. <laughs> and um, I... And so I've heard so many of these concepts before, but I think stated in a different way here. So I think it's helpful to say like, oh, okay, well, maybe he's saying like all of these different things that we kind of need to overcome and things that get in our own way is like the most, is sort of the best way to be generous in our work as mm-hmm. um, creative people. But I think that I, I do overall really like this book. I think it has good messages, but I will think a book is good if I get like a nugget out of it that's like changing Mm -hmm. you know what I mean Mm -hmm. like I don't think it's I'm less into like judging the logistics of it but if I can learn something and be like oh this I didn't think about it this way or I got something new out of it I'm I'm on board so I can understand that I know that I read or I tried to read mindset actually before you suggested it to us because it was highly recommended to me by a friend And I loved the first part of it, but I couldn't finish it because it just got so repetitive. Mm -hmm. I just felt like I was reading the same thing recycled for like 200 pages. But 
the message of the book I really enjoyed. So I had a really hard time kind of reconciling, you know, do I not like this book because I didn't finish it or do I like it or again, like it at its core because I liked the thing it was trying to push through. I guess we should dive into what exactly generous covers because going into this, I had no idea what generous meant and how it related to business or being a creative or doing anything besides yeah. just being like a good person. <laughs> I was wondering what generous meant as well. I was like, what does this have to do with like the practice and coming from trust yourself? What I got out of it was it's more like sharing your practice, sharing your craft, I would kind of think of it as. But I mean, if we don't share it, you know, how are people supposed to know that we have something to offer? You know what I mean? And it's kind of like that's that's the whole gist of when you start a business. You know, you can't start a business and automatically things are going to, like, kick off on the first day. You kind of have to start from scratch and build up and sharing products and sharing what you offer and all of that. And it's like the podcasting, for instance, like when we start, it's not like we're going to get like a giant listener base. It's like when we start, we start with something and maybe gain a couple of followers. And the more that we add like books or topics that we discuss and gain more listeners as we go, if we stop doing that altogether, there would be no podcast, you know? Right. Yeah. I, I feel like we're all, we're coming at this from a ton of different angles because all three of us are podcasters. All three of us are or have been at some point freelance musicians. Chelsea has her mindset coaching business as well. It's really interesting because you do have to kind of reconcile with like knowing that you are good enough to justify selling or giving away or sharing your craft for other people. I I think from like a musician standpoint, like the first thing I could think about, like that I experienced at least with like in this concept was flute with like teaching. I kind of like think back to like when I was in school and there were students that would go out and teach and like put themselves out there. And that's, and that's what I wanted to do as well when I was in school is like, I wanted to put myself out there and like, you know, make a name for myself in some kind of way outside of school. That way when I like did graduate, I could have like some foundation with like students and stuff. And I knew that it, I wouldn't be able to have that foundation if I didn't, you know, start sharing like, hey, I teach lessons, come, like, <laughs> I, I can offer this and I'll be around for a while. Um, that was like kind of my whole yeah. goal. And I feel like there are some people that did that. And then there are others that were like, oh, I don't want to teach. I don't need to teach. But it's like, okay, but if you want to get students and you're not advertising yourself, then you're probably not going to get what you want if you don't advertise that out to the public. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that, that, I think that's what I was, I just kept like going back and forth between like flute teaching and podcasting. Like, it's just like this nice little wonderful relationship. Yeah, I mean, I also thought about it in terms of performing too, mm -hmm. which was like, okay, yeah, I have to sell an audience, right? Like, also. And to do that, to even get an audience, I have to be sold on myself, right? And I think he says that in the book, like, you have to sell yourself mm -hmm. on what you're doing. Like, you have to be bought in yourself, otherwise no one else is going to buy in, you know? Yeah. And I think that anything, that's true. And it's interesting because... I've been in parts of my like entrepreneurial journey slash flute journey where I literally wrote, wrote down like, why is this worth it? Why is this good enough? You know, like every single day to try to sell myself on like what mm. I'm doing. And I don't think it's like, sometimes we think, you know, it's just like, oh, if it were good enough, I'd know right. or I'd feel different or I'd feel better. But like, I think a lot of what he talks about is that like, it's not it maybe just like you're going to have resistance. You're like not going to feel good all the time, but that doesn't mean you can't still do it every day. Mm -hmm. I really like that idea of like writing down, like, you know, trying to sell yourself or like, I guess that's just like, it's so hard when you're in the moment and you're feeling down to really like feel 
that like, oh, I feel confident. I feel good. I feel like I can sell this. And I think like writing it down and doing it like daily, if even like if not every day, every other day and like kind of like boosting yourself, like adding it as a daily habit or like a routine or something, just kind of like encouraging yourself and not putting yourself down because he put down something about how um, there was a section where he talks about how positive people, they strive a little bit more toward like towards their goals and they have a little bit more motivation. But when you are like a little bit more negative, you have things more in the way. And how are you supposed to be generous to yourself if you're like kind of being your own worst critic, your own, you know, you're beating yourself down, you know? I found that really interesting because I do that to myself a lot, so. What he said was that a positive mindset will help you enjoy the practice more. Yeah, because last week I wasn't (laughs) not enjoying that practice. Well, I will say too, like, you don't even have to write down things that don't make you feel good. Literally just writing down, like, why are you doing it? Like, why does it matter? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, well, all of those things that could maybe create some motivation for you, but maybe it won't. But, like, doing it regardless is a great practice, too, I think. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think everyone says this, that you, like, motivation's not required or whatever, of course. But if you could help yourself get there, like, 5% more, why not? You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> Always try. One thing that he said that I really enjoyed was the section where he's talking about making peace with discomfort. Mm-hmm. And it's not just talking about making like discomfort within yourself, you know, the awkwardness of selling your ideas or your shipping. What does he say? Shipping or sharing your your product or your talent or whatever, but also with other people. So the possibility of facing rejection, the possibility that people might not support what you do, learning who vibes with you, all that kind of stuff. I thought it was, I mean, in a literal sense, I thought of music because music is very obvious if, you know, if you hear it, if it makes you comfortable or uncomfortable. (laughs) And I thought of how many studio classes where I didn't play very well. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, you still have to stand up there and be like, I'm a musician and you still have to own it and embrace it. If you're willing to feel discomfort, like, you move so much quicker along your, either your career, like, if you play in every studio class rather than, like, once a semester, that's going to be different if you're willing to feel more uncomfortable, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, just really seeing discomfort as, like, an opportunity rather than something, as rather than a reason to not do something, I think is a really interesting perspective. Yeah. And an example that people who aren't musicians who are listening might be able to more relate to is like if you're, you know, if you're trying to work out either to get healthy or to bulk up, you literally can't do it without having healthy muscle building pain. Like that is discomfort. That is physical discomfort that we all know. And you're not going to get what you want without that. True. And it's kind of the same with having a, a finished product, whether that's being a musician, whether that's having a podcast, whether that's having a mindset coaching business is you're not going to get to where you want to go without experiencing some sort of friction or discomfort. I think about all the musicians like online, like I remember posting my first playing like flute video. I was like about to vomit. I was so like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. And now I'm like, it doesn't matter at all. Right. But I, but that was like five years ago when I did that. It's really interesting because I think discomfort does dissipate once you do it more. But like, I think he says too, like, you're wanting to do this there's a certain level of like you believing in yourself you know and I think as musicians if you go into music there is a certain level of believing you can do it yeah regardless Mm -hmm. of because you're there you know because you've done the thing and so I think that there is at least some some of it there and we sometimes discount that because we get caught up in all of the things in music school but um I think that that's always really important to come back to Mm -hmm. yeah One thing that I thought was a little problematic in this section is where he's talking about getting your motivation for producing for others. Mm. And I guess I can understand, you know, if you can't motivate yourself, at least you can do it for other people. But I feel like that does turn it into more of a don't do this because it's your passion, do this because it's your job. 
sort of mindset, which I don't 100% agree with. I feel like that's easy to kind of get trapped in, to be really honest. For example, flute, like music, we decided to, you know, pick our instruments and continue and try them out, like, you know, perceive them as careers, like in by mm-hmm. applying to music school because, you know, that was our passion. And I definitely felt that when I was a lot younger. And now that I'm older and I have like graduated and I'm doing the thing, it's easy to kind of get lost between, I think I found that, especially most recently, it's like, I, I feel like I've gotten lost with like, am I like passionate about flute? Or is this just my job? Because I've been more focused on it as a job. It's my my source of income. I have to teach. If I have a gig, I have to play. I have to practice for gigs, for certain things that I have. You know, like if I have an audition, I need to practice that. That's like, that's a job that I want. It's easy to kind of get lost in that. Like from what started as your passion kind of turns into a job. I feel like it's just easy to get yeah. lost in that. I think it might be also easy, like, when you uh, when you do get lost in that, that's all you really see, because I definitely have felt and been there. <laughs> um, so just being super honest with that. I even feel that with podcasting, too. With many things that I start out, like, that I have a passion for, it ends up being, like, this is my job, and I have to make a living for it, because yeah. that's basically our need for survival right now, or at least my need for survival, so. (laughs) Paying the rent. (laughs) I thought it was interesting because earlier in the section, he's talking about that it's really important that you do something for yourself and that analytics don't matter. And, you know, only the happiness of yourself is what matters. And then on the flip side, it's kind of like when we were talking about last section where he seems to kind of play both sides of the coin pretty frequently on the flip side he's like well actually you should be producing for others because that's the generous thing to do and i feel like that's very capitalist Mm. (laughs) industrial cog-esque that's really interesting right because i feel like most people would say capitalist is not doing things for others right like but in the sense that i think you're getting at like it has to be a job. You have yeah. to do it every day. It has to feel like a job, right? And I think that, like, I'm curious why those two things are mutually exclusive. Like, could it be that you are serving yourself through your work by the way you treat yourself and by the way you go about your work and feel good about serving others in the process mm-hmm. so that it doesn't just become about you and your work alone, but rather that you're creating something for someone else when you get in your own head. That's what I took it to mean, like, because I there's definitely parts of like, oh, my gosh, this blog post that I'm writing, no one's going to like it, like, or like, people are going to think I'm dumb, like, all of the self, like, all of the self-talk. I think stepping outside and saying, what if one person sees this and it changes something for them? And I think that when you're, I don't know, this is just from my perspective, but as I'm starting, you know, well, I'm in like the second year basically of my business kind of putting things together and putting them out into the world I do want to serve people and that is something that that's the whole reason I'm doing it I'm like everyone needs to know about this stuff (laughs) like Mm -hmm. everyone should be equipped with these tools and everyone needs to know and I wish I had known this 10 years ago and all of that stuff but I think it's interesting when but that is also for me I don't know if like it could be only one or the other in capitalism right in the society we live in like there is both parties ideally benefit if there's an exchange of some sort whether that's like time or money or energy or whatever it is. right i guess yeah. the reason why it struck me as very much capitalist-esque mindset is the wording that he was using and talking about mm-hmm. producing for others which I think that implies that there's going to be some kind of trade-off instead of sharing with others, which I would see as much more the opposite end of the spectrum, more like socialist-esque. And also, he he does use a lot of business terminology, like shipping. So it just seems when you're using a word like produce, it's not just with the intention of making a thing. 
he's talking about producing a product to do something with because also in this section he's also talking about having it be your job as well so I guess maybe I implied it and I definitely could have implied it wrong I'm not (laughs) over here saying that I am an astute reader of self-help texts and can read between the lines uh, because I was also definitely questioning my re- reading comprehension in this chapter as well as last chapter. <laughs> so, but that's just my personal interpretation of it. I thought it was, I think if you skew it into something that's a little less inherently capitalist, it can be helpful. But if you just, if what you're taking from it is, well, at the end of the day, I can make a buck off of it. I feel like that becomes a little prog- problematic. And I think that's when a lot of creative entrepreneurs kind of lose their, their zest spark hey you look kind of peppy i am peppy because i just drank a cup of coffee from la belle rosette espresso and wine bar that's in denver right yep we are located right across the street from the university of denver and do they have more than just espresso and wine yeah we have breakfast burritos paninis pastries teas we have a lot If someone was walking through Denver, and let's say this person was me, and let's say I wanted a panini, when is LaBelle open so I can go and get one? We are open from 7 to 5 Monday through Friday, 7 to 2 on Saturdays, 8 to 2 on Sundays. And if you use the code FPPODCAST, you'll get 15% off your order, whether you're in-store or online at LaBelleRosette.com. That's a really good deal. Totally a good deal, and it's even a better deal when you get to see moi at the store. Is that a good deal? Uh, not really, but I actually need to head to work right now because I'm gonna be late. Oh, so I'm gonna go. Go to La Belle Rosette. Go. Bye. Right now. Drop <laughs> everything. Go. One thing that I think is is talked a lot in I don't know in the coaching industry and all these things that I've. I've sort of absorbed a lot is the concept of like, like creating value first, like kind of having an exchange not be necessarily money or I can make a buck off of this, but say like, I'm going to write this blog or I'm going to create this podcast and people are essentially paying me with their time and their attention and their, that's the exchange rather than like, oh, it's a few dollars here or there. And like that, I think, is sort of like what probably what he would call like building an audience or building, you know, trust with people who like your work. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I could definitely understand like if it came off like, oh, I could just like make a quick buck off of this, then that like if produce like if that terminology like made, you know, that sort of leap for you. Yeah. totally agree like I would not subscribe to that it's also hard too because he purposely leaves everything so vague so that way a ton of people can apply it to their lives because I think he wrote this like you said now that we have a little bit more insight than we did for our first chapter I think he probably wrote this with creatives in mind but he is an entrepreneur he is not a creative he is also marketing this to other people who are not creatives so he has to sprinkle in some stuff to make it apply to everyone. I think he just has to leave it vague enough to apply to more people. Well, and I would, I don't know. I feel like he's a creative. He's, I mean, his blog is like insanely, like he's- He writes, like, I don't- Created a blog post every day. He writes so much. Yeah, (laughs) 7,500 blog posts. Like, that guy's writing something. He's definitely... I guess I was thinking of musicians, so my bad. Oh, okay. (laughs) But my point still stands. I do think that he does need to keep it very vague so it can apply to Mm. a ton of people, which doesn't really help when you're trying to get more than face value from some of what he's writing. Yeah. Mm I think that's the problem that I'm running into is I'm starting to read into it too much. (laughs) I think it's an interesting lens because I always like dive into these books being like, this is going to help me. Like that's my mindset going in. I'm like, what can I get from this that's going to help me learn something or maybe I'll gain a new perspective or maybe I'll, um, you know, reaffirm something or hear something in a different way. And so I obviously inevitably find those things. And so like, that's sort of the way I've gone into it because 
I'm like, once again, I'm not addicted, but like I consume, you know, you're a junkie. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm a little bit of a self-help junkie. (laughs) And so that's always like my frame of mind going in, but this book would be confusing as I'll get out. If you were just like, I'm going to pick it up off the shelf and I don't do anything like this, you know? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I know because that's me. Yeah, of (laughs) course. Yeah. Yeah. What did y'all think about the reassurance is fake section? I feel like as teachers, maybe, I don't know, did that resonate with y'all or? Well, I'm always one that needs reassurance, like with everything. So. Yay, anxiety. I know. I don't know. (laughs) Part of it was just more like when I was reading it, it was like, for me, I just felt like being called out. Because I always feel like I need some kind of reassurance, like, what I'm teaching, like, does it make sense? Like, I I feel like I need, and I think this is just my own self-confident, my own issues with self-confidence and whatnot, but I always feel like I need to be reassured, like, what I'm saying or what I'm teaching makes sense. I always feel like whatever I say, like, something to somebody, I feel like I'm saying gibberish or something completely out of like topic from what we're discussing and it's like am I making sense does this make sense and I always and I notice that I say that a lot when I'm in lessons like when I'm teaching because I'll be like does that make sense is that okay and I realized that I was like saying that when I was teaching a class of kids and I had a sub for band earlier in the spring and I would ask the kids like okay let's go to measure 53 is that okay (laughs) But is that okay with you guys? <laughs> Are you guys understanding this? And when I was... So it wasn't even like advanced topics. It was yeah. like, let's start here. Do you understand this? Because it's like seven in the morning and it's like these nine-year-old kids playing at seven in the morning. They're probably just like, what are we doing? I want to go back to bed. Cause some... That sounds like your own personal form of hell. <laughs> Drink a lot of coffee beforehand and you'll be good. Um, but yeah, like... I would ask the kids that because I would just like stand there and explain, okay, like this is what we need to hear. This is what we need to, like, you know, this is what the clarinets are playing and this is what the trumpets need to do when they're resting. And all I get are these stares, like, and I have to be like, is that okay? Did that make sense? And the teacher, when he was watching me sub for, like, or teach the kids, he told me at the end of class, he was like, you know, it's okay. You don't need to say, is that all right? Is that okay? Like, the kids will know. They'll understand. They'll go and do the thing. And it's really hard to get out of that habit, you know, of, like, asking and trying to reassure yourself, like, does this make sense? Am I crazy? I don't know. Um, but that's just, like, something that I really struggle with on a daily basis with everything. So I felt really called out. <laughs> I guess you just called me out because I just realized that I do that in really only in private teaching. I will explain something and then I'll be like, did that make sense? So hmm, maybe I should stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like in some instances, maybe that is necessary, but I tend to do it all the effing time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think there's like definitely a place to do it, right? Like if you're not sure if someone understands what you're trying to say and you want to say it in a, in a different way to help them understand, like, absolutely. I would ask, I ask that question all the time. And I literally say, if this doesn't make sense, like I want to know because I want to explain it differently. I'm here for you. I'm not here to just like talk at you. (laughs) (laughs) you know and so I think in that instance yes what I got from what he was saying and from in my own personal experience in music specifically I think that when we need reassurance in order to do something that limits us inherently yeah yeah that's kind of how I took it too Mm -hmm. yeah which is like oh, if I need this many likes in order to feel like it's worth it to post on Instagram, if I need this or that, like, to see if it's worth it, then, like, you know, or I need a teacher to give me feedback and tell tell me it's okay before I can believe in myself, like, then we're always going to look outside of ourselves for that validation and reassurance. 
But if we can cultivate that within ourselves, obviously, that is the the ideal. Yeah, it seemed like reassurance was just more of like a short term, you know, feeling like what he was mentioning, like, when we get that feeling of reassurance, you know, it only lasts for a certain amount of time. And then we're like, you know, constantly craving for it again, which I totally feel a lot. And then like, he kind of goes on and says that like confidence and kind of like is a stronger feeling. It varies daily. It's like long term. I guess like that's like what I'm struggling with is like trying to find the confident, like my own confidence and going with it, even when things are not going the way that I want them to. But when I am like feeling down and I'm not feeling confident whatsoever, that craving for reassurance is like I'm looking for it you know what I mean it's just it's so hard to like switch back and forth and fight with every now and then I think with every like with everything that I do I think it happens a lot I think his definition of confidence isn't something I totally agree with it's not like I'm sexy and I know it (laughs) yeah (laughs) I think I think that for me confidence is knowing that I can handle stuff. Yeah. Regardless. Like what we would think is trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or like knowing that at the end of an audition, if I, and I'm sure I talked about this, and I actually, shameless plug, have a free course on confidence in my Instagram profile. So if you want to go check it out, it's called DIY Confidence, <laughs> Do It Yourself Confidence. But it's <laughs> basically like we always wait to see if what we did was good enough by the answer we're given, by a panel of judges, by people's reaction, by whatever. And then that sort of dictates how we treat ourselves most of the time. Mm -hmm. But what we can decide to do ahead of time is really say, regardless of how this thing goes, how this launch goes, how this performance goes, how whatever goes, like I know how I'm going to treat myself and I'm not going to make it mean that I'm not good enough. I'm not going to make it mean things about me because that's what really what we're scared of are those thoughts mm-hmm. of like maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe I can't do this. And and I think confidence really is the like willingness to feel all of the emotions and feel the disappointment and feel the crummy emotions and still like say, you know, it's going to be okay. It's gonna, you know, this doesn't mean anything about you. Yeah, I think confidence in his terms is a little bit different, but, and I think we all kind of assume confidence is supposed to feel good. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) Which I don't know if that's true, but. I don't think he chose the right term. It seems more like confidence. I don't either. (laughs) Like confidence is more like your path or something in that kind of, term you know like your path I'm thinking about that sailboat analogy that he had about how like that was confusing to me I wish you explained that a little bit more I I had to go on google and look this up (laughs) because apparently like because I'm not a sailor and I was like okay I need to go on google and look up these terms because what's downwind and I forgot what perpendicular meant (laughs) for a second but it seemed like going downwind which is like I guess you're just going straight ahead of like like the direction of the wind is actually like it moves like a sailboat a lot slower than when a sailboat I guess is moving across the wind so they're not angled towards like where the wind is guiding them they're trying to go across from the wind I again I'm not a sailor I'm not a sailboat enthusiast but it seems like the angle of the sailboat has to be, it has to be angled differently for it to move very fast, not going straight ahead where the wind is actually going because it acts like the sail actually acts as a parachute and it slows down the boat. This is what he says. (laughs) Oh, you found it. Did you find it? (laughs) Yep, this is in 42, sailing with the wind at your back. It is about six paragraphs and only two of them are sailboat related. I will read the sailboat ones. But of all the usable directions, the sailboat goes slowest when it is going downwind. That is because the sail acts as a parachute, meaning the boat can't go any faster than the wind behind it. Dandelions spread their seeds at the whims of the wind, but they don't make much of an impact. The sailboat doesn't work that way. The sailboat is optimized to go across the wind. The fastest sailboat direction is beam or close reach, heading perpendicular or even toward the wind. 
And that's, he didn't clarify that at all. So I'm like, I, d- I don't know what I read. <laughs> From when I got out of it, it just seemed like, I guess, like, a sailboat, when you think about it, it, the wind is just, like, the one thing that guides it. Mostly, like, you steer it, obviously, but you are very heavily dependent on the wind. And, like, you, they, it has to be angled different. I just don't understand how it goes fastest when it's against the wind. I guess how I took it was your path is not straightforward. Then it would blow against the sail. Oh, no, I'm just talking about sailboats. Oh. I don't understand how <laughs> sailboats work. Oh. I don't know. <laughs> I think it catches the wind and creates some sort of momentum. Like, I, I don't think it's like... I think that's how it's yeah. faster. I'm not a scientist. Science, you know? Wind directions. Boo! <laughs> I physics. don't remember that stuff. I didn't take physics in high school. Velocity is a Maybe. word that you would probably use if you knew what this was. Yeah. I don't know. I just kept thinking about that analogy. <laughs> I didn't see it fitting very well. Like, the connection there was that was a miss for me. <laughs> Personally. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, his point was like, to find direction in your craft and like to have probably have a goal and like Mm -hmm. and like if I'm trying to really stretch it here if like what what my brain would infer it to be would be like it's part of the practice and the more you like go against the mainstream current thing Your head when you get there. I think. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but I mean, if the anyway, I don't I, know. That's that's my stretch. You were so close to making a connection there, Chelsea. I mean, I think that like, because when he's saying like, if you're going downwind, like it, the wind's literally pushing you. There's no extra velocity created, but when you turn it perpendicular, that's when you really get going. You got them cross winds helping you. I feel like you should have wrote this. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lot more clear. But this is a stretch. <laughs> I don't know. I've also, well, I think I also, like, I'm I am this demographic, 100%. Like, I am totally Seth Godin's audience. So I've bought in already. But if you, like, and so I'm, like, trying to make connections. But I highlight a lot. I did not highlight anything one i was like i can't really get this but um you're like god stuff i can't afford a sailboat who do you think i am i was like yeah i was like you're gonna have to explain this a little bit better (laughs) um (laughs) but i think that i think his intent was good that's just like pick a direction yeah i feel like he could have picked a something better direction (laughs) yeah he could have picked a different direction on that (laughs) I think two things that really stood out to me, the like, here I made this, I thought was like interesting in the terms of like, these four words carry with them generosity, intent, risk, and intimacy. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's really true. It's like, that's something that's also a really big risk to our like nervous system generally. Right. And I wish that were addressed a little bit more that like, yeah, all of these are great concepts, but like that to actually put out a blog post every day, it's going to feel like you're going to die when you first start to do it. Or like, you know, like your nervous system, it's not conducive to like sharing your creative work. That's why we get nervous when we play for people. It's like literally a bodily reaction. And I think that connecting that to the resistance he talks about as well which is like obsessively you know focusing on bad outcomes and that sort of pushes us to like not do the thing we want to Mm -hmm. or do it halfway or you know saying like oh it's gonna be bad anyway and in that cynicism like that's all a function of like protecting ourselves from like putting ourselves out there Mm -hmm. and I feel like if he had made that a little bit more clear I would have loved to like see that connection as well because I think there's really good ideas but like Brittany like you said the the layout 
is not conducive. Yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. that section as well. It, I guess when I'm going back in hindsight and I'm making, I'm trying to see like what's important and what we should talk about and stuff. It seems like some of his main points are, like you said, Chelsea, where they're just kind of like in one little section and then they're never mentioned again. And I'm like, can we just go back to that thing? <laughs> yeah, can we like take a minute? <laughs> yeah. He hits on really good points. One of my favorites, I think, that like no one owes us applause or thanks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like I loved that a lot because. What he says, like, working in anticipation of what we'll get in return takes us out of self-trust. Like, I'm doing this as a means to an end. And so if I don't get that ending thing, this wasn't worth it, right? Like, then we get into that sort of mentality. And then he says, like, the feeling of being owed, whether it's true or not, is toxic. And, like, our practice demands that we rejects it, we reject it, which makes me think of, you know, like, how in the practice room a lot of the time we feel entitled to results even though we just haven't done the thing that's going to get us there yet and that always feels bad like I should have it by now or like I should be at this point in my career I should be here whatever and it just never is a good feeling so I liked that he said that because it does for me take pressure off of like Oh, yeah. Like, no one knows me anything. I'm just, like, putting this out there. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. But then it's also interesting that then he also says produce for others. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I thought that was, that's probably more definitely contradictory. And I think that's, like, definitely his, like you said, his business side coming mm-hmm. out. Like, you have to know your audience. You have to, like, whatever. But. Yeah. I think that there is a parallel in teaching, too, which is, like, Oh, like, our student, I, we don't, we're not owed thanks or applause. It's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we also have to, like, teach to the student if we want to be of service and generous and help. So I could see it being not as businessy in some perspectives, but I think in this case that does kind of very loudly contradict each other <laughs> in some, in that viewpoint. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if he took blog posts that he made and just kind of put them together in a book under a heading that he thinks supports his plan, or if he actually, like, sat down and wrote individual chunks that he thinks supports an idea. Does that make sense? Because he does Mm -hmm. have a lot of contradictions for someone who's trying to, in his words, like, ship his his product of the practice. So that would be an interesting thing to pick out of his brain for sure i would wonder that too it kind of does sound like some like mini blog posts kind (laughs) of put together yeah possibly i guess the short of it is just to be generous with your talent the people who support you your mindset and with yourself it's pretty simple at the end of the day thank you for joining us dr chelsea yeah thank you for joining us no problem (laughs) it was a pleasure thanks for having me is there anything that you would like to plug? I offer one-on-one coaching to musicians and creatives who want to have a better relationship with themselves. And I have a free class called DIY Confidence, which I mentioned earlier. (laughs) And it's all about creating confidence for yourself. So like not needing external validation or needing to do more things or accomplish more things. It's just like how to literally do it for yourself and if you're a musician, it's literally I didn't hear this music school at all and was never taught this by teachers. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, just literally, like, it's kind of the antithesis of what we think confidence is. So I'm not going to spoil it, but just to intrigue you. As somebody that does mindset <laughs> coaching with Chelsea, it's totally worth it. So you should definitely check it out. She's awesome. <laughs> Are you saying that just because she's here? Thanks. And she's going to be like, reprimand you if you don't say something good about her. Well, she actually makes me think, so <laughs> it actually kind of works. She's going to be like, Catherine, your mindset on me is horrible. You need to fix it. Oh, no. That's totally against my coach code. <laughs> this is, coaching is a non-judgment zone. Catherine can say whatever she wants. <laughs> It'd be totally fine. <laughs>
I will say that I have lis- been listening to your podcast, Align Your Mind, and I am, like, oh, yeah. enthralled with it. Oh, really? Thanks for listening. So y'all should definitely <laughs> check it out if mm-hmm. you like what Chelsea's been spitting on this episode and on our <laughs> Mindset episode a few weeks ago. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's a, it's a blast to talk about this stuff. Um, if you want to follow us on Instagram, we are at Fiddle and Pipe. Um, if you want to follow our personal pages, we are at I am at Cat Flinch Flute, and Brittany is at BM Ross Music. And we also have a Facebook page, Fiddle and Pipe Forum. If you are not on Instagram and that's not your thing, so go check out those socials. Yeah, but not our social security number, please. There's nothing but debt there. Yeah, true. If you like what we do, you can support our podcast on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash fiddle and pipe. We actually got a new patron, which is super cool. Catherine, it's your mom. Oh, thanks, mom. (laughs) Thanks, Susan. Thank you so much for supporting us. Thanks, Susan. It starts with friends and family. If you join us on Patreon, you can find our happy hour podcast and you can find outtakes and bloopers from each episode and Mm -hmm. it's honestly as low as two dollars a month that's cheaper than gas i don't know (sighs) buying me a coffee everything everything (laughs) everything (laughs) you can't buy anything for two dollars because inflation (laughs) a donut (laughs) if you like our podcast and you can only donate for free that's totally fine go rate us at on spotify and apple podcast and give us a review we would love to know what you think of the podcast and how we're doing your feedback is important so thank you yeah and if you can share us with a friend that's even better and that's probably about it so thank you again chelsea for joining us it's yeah thank you chelsea really cool chatting with you Yeah. Yeah, you too. And we'll see everyone next week for our next section of the practice, which is I don't I don't remember. I can't read. Take a look. Intent. Intent. And I will read it with intention. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we'll be very intent. (laughs) Alright. I'm gonna be intent and I'm gonna stop recording. But Okay. (laughs) Bye.